Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to Third Degree Thursdays, the show where I subject myself to you giving me the third degree. Alrighty, so I got a question via email from Gabriel Hullett, or Hewlett, and uh, Gabe wants to know, what is the best strategy for investing in properties where there is little equity or the property owners are underwater on their mortgage? I live in Florida and I've been looking through list pendants in the official records and it looks like that is often the situation in this area. Is there money to be made in those situations? Alrighty, so um, short answer, yeah, sure. There's money to be made in those situations. But I've got a few things, three things that I can comment on right away when it when it comes to investing in, you know, small equity or underwater properties. And and what that means is properties of which the owner owes more on the property than what the property can be sold for. That's what it means by underwater. They owe more on the property than what it can be sold for. So how do you make money on these things if there's more debt on the property than there is value? So good question, comes up frequently. And I think it comes up frequently because typically this is where you find a lot of motivated sellers. <laughs> They're in a situation that they just can't get out of. And that's where the motivation comes from is because they can't sell their property to get out from underneath their debt. So my first comment is, you know, there, there have been books and courses and webinars and workshops on on creative ways of making money on underwater properties or little to no equity properties. And and I could present you with, just as all of these other sources already have, multiple theories that would work on paper. It's like, yep, in theory, that that absolutely would work. And I'm just not even gonna run down the list though. I'm not even going to, for, for two real big reasons. First, in the real world, when it comes to getting all of the variables and moving parts in sync, not to mention all the people in sync, it, it's a ton of work with minimal payout. I mean, there's little equity or they're underwater. There's not a huge upside to be made, not a big profit there. Um, so it's a lot of work for a little, little reward. And I mean, I'm sure someone could point out some huge victory where they got creative and made a ton of money without getting the lender involved. But that would be the exception. I promise you that would be the exception. And it, it would certainly not be anything of which a predictable and consistent business could be built from. Now, the second reason I'm not going to share multiple creative strategies on how to make money from an underwater property is there are just easier ways to make money in real estate, much easier ways, and not only easier ways, but more profitable ways, significantly more profitable ways. So whatever you've heard, whether it was about lease options or just options in general or reverse wholesaling, whatever fancy word the strategy may carry on underwater properties, 
none of those ultra creative strategies are going to work in the real world consistently. Not with these types of properties. They're good strategies, but because they've been modified in some unique way and some investor figured out a secret, that's just not going to work in the real world consistently. And and should you figure out a way to get them to work consistently, um, God bless you. God bless the person that figured it out. I just have to say, even if you do have it figured out, you're working way too hard for too little money. There are easier, more profitable ways to do this, okay? So that's one condition of which I wouldn't even look at an underwater property. I'm not gonna get ultra creative with it. First reason, as I mentioned, it's a ton of work. Second reason is the the percentage of, uh, the percentage rate of closing the ultra creative strategies consistently to build a business out of it is just way too low for, for my taste. And third reason of which I didn't mention is if there's more owed on a property than what it can be sold for, and typically that would be a bank that holds the debt on that property, your possibility of consistent success with this strategy, with these creative strategies, is even less should you have to get the bank involved. Banks don't like creativity, okay? (laughs) They simply won't play if anything falls outside of their box of normal practice. All right, so... That's that's why I, would, I tend to shy away from these almost all the time now. Now, there is one strategy of which many people, including myself, have had great success with underwater properties, and, and that is by dealing directly with the bank to negotiate a reduction in the amount owed on the property. And should the bank agree, that's what would be called a short sale. The bank agreed to sell the property short of what was owed on it. Now, in 2010, 2011, Mercedes and myself, where we really ramped up our real estate investing and, you know, we successfully completed 60 plus short sale transactions of which we negotiated a discount price with the bank. And while we were negotiating that discount, we searched for a buyer. And then when we found that buyer, we got them prepared to purchase the property as soon as the bank's discount approval came through. Now, this was a very lucrative strategy for us here, especially in Los Angeles, And it was very lucrative for a couple of years of which we earned on the low end $20,000 per deal and as much as $100,000 per deal. We did really well until more and more banks started to get hip. They started to see the type of money that the people like us were making. And so they started to issue deed restrictions with, uh, with, with these short sale approvals of which required the new owner, which would have been Mercedes and myself, it required us to hold the property for... It started out as 15 days or 30 days, and it went to 60 days, and it was just like 90 days inside of the deed. We could not sell that property. So that was the major deed restriction that, that got in the way of that strategy. And also, the, the amount of discounts being approved got smaller and smaller. You know, when the short sales first hit the market with the, the deluge of short sales, banks really were clueless about around real estate. But the more short sales that they they negotiated, the more short sales that were transacted, the more hip they got to real estate. And they saw how much money they were leaving on the table by granting investors like myself a discount. So those discounts, they got smaller and smaller in dollar amount. And they also got fewer, the approvals got fewer and further between, you know, with regard to those approvals. So We stopped doing short sales with the banks and began just dealing directly with private homeowners, of which is still our primary business today. So much easier, way easier, (laughs) and much more lucrative as well. And the volume is easier to do too. It's easier to scale. It's it's just easier. And it makes more money. So I still know, though, of investors that negotiate short sales with the banks. But it's it's still a side business for them now. It's not their primary business. I mean, they know it can take six to 12 months to get the approval. 
So, so they have someone in their office of which that's all that they do. It's just someone on the side who, who shuffles paper, keeps everything organized and makes a lot of phone calls to make sure that the bank follows through. And there's a lot of phone calls involved, you know, and some get approved, some don't. Now, in most cases, they, it can be lucrative enough to where it's worth having one person dedicated to just that. And that's why they do it. But it really does take a special person to be able to wait that long. I mean, it can be three months, six months, a year before a short sale gets approved, if it ever gets approved. And, and as well, you know, dealing with the bank bureaucracy, that takes a special skill as well, because that will frustrate the crap out of you. I promise. I've been there. So one other strategy, though. So well, okay, so that's one way, just dealing indirectly with the bank. So the other strategy what I would consider is, would be taking over the property subject to the existing mortgage if, now this is a big if, if the property was in an area that I felt had a promising future, or at the very least a stable future, and that the property could be rented for more than the existing mortgage payment, it have to cash flow. Okay, so it'd have to be in a stable economy, stable environment, and it would have to be able to cash flow with the existing mortgage payment. I mean, this is the scenario of which I would consider it, but I have yet to do so to execute a transaction like this because typically the owner is so far behind on payments and likely the taxes as well that I would have to bring too much money to the table to bring the loan current before I ever took over the property, before even executed the subject to deal. I'd have to put too much money into it. And if it's already underwater, I don't want to put a bunch of money in it. Make sense? So Gabe, underwater properties, it's a niche and it's a smaller niche and it's a shrinking niche. And really in today's market, it's a side niche even. A lot of work, a lot of paper pushing and a lot of patience. You know, also if you're finding in your area that this is often the situation, and in Florida, I'm not surprised, it would probably be that situation in um, Florida and say Las Vegas and Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, But the market, it's done a considerable amount of bouncing back the last few years. So I'm a little bit concerned if that's all that you're finding. I mean, I would consider how and where you're sourcing your leads from. And, And here's why, you know, even at the peak of underwater properties, only a third of all the homes in America were underwater. Now, it sounds like a lot. and It is a lot. A third is a lot of the homes. But it's two-thirds of the homes were not. In fact, a third of those homes, or excuse me, a third of the, all the homes in, in America were owned free and clear, had no debt on them at all. And I think that number is up to 42 43%, something crazy. So here are the most re- recent numbers that I've found, and this is from Zillow. 30% of homes in the bottom price tier are in negative equity. So your lower income, your, your I guess you'd call it your C and D class neighborhoods are, are in negative equity, 30%. While only 18% of homes in that middle tier, the middle class homes, the median price range, only 18% of those are underwater. And only 10% of your luxury homes, your top tier homes are underwater. Now that's what Zillow said. But if you go to CoreLogic, the numbers are way, way lower. And I think the reason there is because Zillow is typically a little high on estimating their their price. However, their algorithm works. They're typically a little high, um, typically. But CoreLogic is even less. It's way less. So I don't even know if we really can be considered we're in a short sale market anymore. You know, and, and our little operation here last year, we did more than 100 deals and not one of them was a short sale. And in my mastermind group, of which I've talked about a couple times here on the show now, it, that equates to 60 plus of the most successful real estate investors in the country. And of those 60, I believe less than a handful 
work short sales, of which means 50 of them or more absolutely crush it without doing short sales. And I share this with you, Gabe, and anyone that may be experiencing the same issue, is if you're only finding short sales, there's probably a reason why. And it's not because that's all that's out there. That's the that's the first, um, that's the knee-jerk reaction to assume that, that, boy, all there, all there are short sales. I don't want to work pre-foreclosures anymore because they're all underwater. No, it's just the ones that are underwater, the ones that are calling you more frequently or the most, most often. So if you're only finding short sales, one, be honest with yourself. Okay, be honest with yourself. Um, you can lie to me all you want. You can lie to everyone else all you want, but you can't lie to yourself, okay? That's when the problem begins is when you're lying to yourself. So be honest with yourself. How many have you really found? How many have short sales have you really found? You know, was it the first 20 calls? Well, come on, 20 calls out of the hundreds and hundreds you should receive before you ever make it any type of uh, um, decision like that. Okay, so be, be honest with yourself. How many have you really found? And the other part of that is how long have you really been looking? How long have you really been trying? I mean, is it just this is your first month and your first 20 calls were short sales? Yeah, you got a lot more calls to generate. You got a lot more people to talk to before you can say the whole market in your area is short sales. And very well may be. Very well, I, Gabe, very well may be. You know your market better than I do. But before you go jump there, Go ahead and, and be really truthful with the answers to yourself to those questions. How many have you really found and how long have you really been trying? The second thing is, what market sector are you targeting? So um, maybe there's a time for an adjustment there. If you are looking for the lower income properties, based on the statistics that I found today through Zillow and CoreLogic, the higher percentage of short sales are in the lower sector, the, the lower tier properties. Okay, so maybe there's time for an adjustment there. And then the third thing you want to look at, what do your marketing materials say? And who are you actually sending them to? Okay, and I've never pulled property from the list pendants. Um, that means that there, there's some sort of lien on the property. Uh, and there's usually some sort of dispute there. Um, and that those things can last forever. So maybe those short sales, have, you know, or those properties have been there for years, which is very possible. So that might be a higher percentage of short sales you find under that specific target. But, you know, if you shifted over to, say, um, like uh, absentee owners, out-of-state absentee owners, you know, you're probably not going to find that type, that, those types of numbers. So maybe just kind of change or you start going to, you know, you're working the for rents or you're working, um, obviously, if you're working uh, homes owned free and clear, you're not going to find any short sales there. But that might be the difference or you just might want to get real with yourself on what do your marketing materials say and, and who are you actually sending them to? What's your message? Maybe it's really just resonating with people that have tried everything else and now that I guess my house just isn't worth what I thought it was and I need someone to come here and buy it and save me from this debt. You know, if that's, I mean, that's not what your marketing is actually going to say, but maybe the message in your marketing really resonates with the person in that situation. So, Look there, look in all those places as I think your answer lies in one of or even a combination of all three of those questions, all right? So how many have you really found? How long have you really been trying? Um, what market sector are you targeting and who are you sending them to, okay? What type of people in that market sector? So good, great. Um, yes, in summary, money can be made by working underwater properties, low equity properties. However, it appears that the opportunity to do so is waning, 
and the work is getting harder. If it's an issue for you, it's not going to be an issue too much longer. I mean, you can work them if you want, but I think there are many easier and more profitable ways to work your real estate investing business. That's the point I really want to drive home. Okay, You might find a lot of short sales out there, a lot of properties underwater. You might find a lot of properties that are just break even or just have an itsy bitsy amount of equity in there. You might find a ton of those, but it would be much easier for you to go out and look for ones that had equity in them and work those. That would be much easier and you'd make more money doing it. That's my real point. Okay, so Gabe, thanks for the question. And should you have a question, comment, or concern that you'd like me to address here live on the show, go ahead and send it to me at matt at epicrealestate.com and type third degree in the subject line or leave me a voicemail on the Epic hotline at 1-888-891-7203. All righty, I will see you tomorrow for a new episode of Financial Freedom Friday. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.